another episode of Sharing Sweat Equity, a business podcast produced by the El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Minority Women's Enterprise Diversity Center. I am your host, Michelle Luevano. Before we get started with our conversation with El Paso County Judge Ricardo Samaniego, we want to give a huge shout out to some of our partners. First of all is Sun Carpet, who provide the insulation for our beautiful studio, Unfortunately, we are unable to record from our studio right now because we are trying to maintain social distancing guidelines and following the stay at home work safe directive, but we cannot wait to get back into our home studio as soon as we can. Of course, we also want to thank Epicenter. If you are looking for commercial real estate in the El Paso area, make sure to give Epicenter a call. They have a huge number of locations and opportunities available for you. So again, if you're looking for commercial real estate in the El Paso area, make sure to give Epicenter a call. On this episode of Sharing Sweat Equity, we have a very special guest, El Paso County Judge Ricardo Samaniego. He is joining us to discuss how businesses can reopen safely and keep in mind the needs of their customers, but also the health and safety of their employees and their customers as we all get ready to reopen in Texas. He talks a little bit about retail to go, some of the challenges that the county is having in terms of flattening the curve, and what we can do as citizens to help the county flatten the curve so we can fully reopen. So without further ado, this is our episode with El Paso County Judge Ricardo Samaniego. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We are with El Paso County Judge Ricardo Samaniego. He's going to be giving us a little bit of an update on the order and some of the other um, items that the county and city have been discussing recently. We're going to go back and forth asking some questions. I know it's really hard to keep up with the news on a day-to-day basis with so much overwhelming information coming at you. So a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. My name is Michelle Luevno. I'm the project director for the Minority Women's Enterprise Diversity Center, which is operated by the El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. So without further ado, Judge, I first off want to get started just asking, how are you doing? Um, I know that you're extremely busy. It's an extremely stressful time right now, but how are you doing personally? Well, you know, the, the fact that, um, that I have this opportunity, it's a very rewarding, it's difficult, but very rewarding to, to be part of, of our community. Uh, it's just uh, so nice to, to be able to be part of this region, El Paso community, one of the most uh, generous, kind community. Uh, we know how to do these things. Uh, this is not the first time, and you know, I always refer back to the refugee situation and how we handle that almost 1,100 uh, a day for almost a month, and, and prior to that, uh, very steep numbers, and the community just came together amazingly well. And then uh, secondly, we had August 3rd, and uh, for us to be in a healing process as we are as a community, uh, and then be challenged with a pandemic uh, is not an easy thing. But just stepping back a little bit, I do want to thank the Hispanic Chamber, uh, you know, Cindy Ramos, or the CEO. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, you Just to be giving us the opportunity, you were Chambers always, you know, nationally recognized has brought a lot of great attention to our city of having such an incredible uh, chamber. And uh, so that's very powerful. Uh, you work with small businesses and, and the community. And uh, so thank you. So before we start, I just want to just a shout out to you and all the board members and BJ and everyone else that, uh, that, that makes all these efforts to, to be this uh, a part of this incredible community. 
Well, thank you so much for your kind words, Judge Samaniego. And let's just go ahead and get things kicked off. And if you could just give us a little bit of an update as far as the county directive um, and what's going on with that. As you know, we know the, uh, our, the governor's order uh, supersedes the counties. And uh, so we had an order and then uh, he came back with another order and uh, which his order is a little different, but not, not too much of a difference. A big difference, obviously, we'll be talking a lot about that is the to-go retail business that's gonna take place. But I would like to emphasize that El Paso was, you know, first, uh, one of the first, uh, last in, as our cases were very minimal and almost at zero at the point when a lot of the cases around the, uh, the state were very high. So we wanna keep that in mind. Uh, and and as, as we talk about this, there's a couple of concepts that are very important. The first one is just that, that we were you know, last in, which means we might be last out because our numbers have to indicate otherwise. And, and then secondly, you know, that we're, you know, we're very, a very dynamic uh, community um, and the, the most important one, and I really would like the help of everybody on this call, <clears throat> is that when pu public health led the orders, public health was telling us what did we need to do in order to have containment, in order to be successful uh, with, a, with a spreading of such an insidious virus. But then now it's shifted a little bit more to the economy. And one of the lanes that I've been in that is not an easy lane to be in is the idea of the balance, <clears throat> that it's exciting. We want the economy to come back out. We're gonna talk a lot about recovery and some of the strategies along with this recovery. But the most important thing is that as we're recovering, that our numbers aren't going up and then that obviously forces us to be more restrictive. And so at this point in time, at this point in time, we, it's, it's gonna be really important that, that we do have that balance and the conscientiousness. Remember, we want the safety component of everything that you do should be the key and the foundation to everything else. And so just keep that in mind as we move forward. So where we are now is that we have some, some changes and of course the, the big one is the, the idea of having the uh, to-go uh, retail. Uh, and that's an indication that we are going towards uh, a recovery. The, uh, the governor used the, uh, the toe in the water. And uh, I want everybody to remember that, a toe in the water and not the foot in the water yet for, for El Paso, but a toe in the water for us to really become very conscientious, cautionary, you know, abundance of caution is probably the most important thing that we can do as we move forward uh, into uh, fighting this incredible virus. So that's where we are now. And then uh, I know some of the questions will allow me to elaborate on some of the specifics. Um, so if you, if you want to do that, Michelle, uh, to go into some of the questions and I can elaborate on the actual order as it uh, relates to the questions. Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump into that. So there was a discussion and the governor issued these retail to go procedures. So what exactly does retail to go mean and entail? And also specifically for those stores that are in malls, what is retail to go going to look like for them and for consumers as well? And once again, Michelle, it's very important that every person is conscientious and conscientious about the impact it might have on their employees, the impact it might have, because it might be very reasonable for you as a business 
but it might not be reasonable for what we're trying to accomplish. But what it really means is that if you look at what we try to do with restaurants, right? We said, you know, uh, you had to do certain things and then we said you couldn't be in the lobby and then we sort of went in and said, let's go ahead and do some, uh, you know, that you could go up to the counter uh, and then pretty soon we went and we said we would have it more of a curbside and that was very helpful. And we asked for employees to wear masks. Now, I've always been a promoter of our community and I don't like to talk about what went wrong, but there, there was, they didn't hear a lot. Uh, people were coming out without a mask and then when people looked in, they didn't have a mask. And of course that begin, has a problem. So what we really wanna do is when we say carry out, obviously it's curbside, you cannot enter the facility and you have to provide a way that there's no contact between the, uh, the, the, the business and the consumer, which so the best thing that could possibly happen is either place the item, they pick it up or that you place it in the trunk of the car. Mm -hmm. And so those very logical kinds of steps because one of the, remember that the spirit one of the things, if you try to understand every aspect of the order, it's going to be really difficult. But if you understand the spirit of the order, and the spirit of the order is social distancing and stay at home. If you stay at home and you only go for essential situations, and now, uh, you know, obviously you can go uh, to go get to a non-essential business that is open. You can get in your car and go there. But that's now it opened up a little bit about why you're out in the streets. So two very important things social, you know, distancing, and then uh, the spirit of the law. And, and then of course, the idea of, of making sure that you want, you stay at home and you don't need to be out there. That, that's the, the real uh, importance. So it is uh, the malls, obviously, I'll give you an example. I own three sport clip stores and Horizon is inside, uh, one of the stores is inside Horizon. So I could possibly open it, right? Because I'm, I'm allowed to do that, but it might create some issues for, for Walmart as people pass through. And so our decision was not to open because and as much as we want to, and we would be able to carry all our inventory through there. We wouldn't open the haircutting business, but we could open the retail part of it. And we have a lot of products that people love. And so I could do that. But I think in a conscientious manner as a business person and thinking of the community, is that good for my employees? And is it good for for the, uh, for the public. And so that's the kind, I hate to use myself as an analogy, but I think it's important that, that we, you understand that I am sensitive to the business community, but also wanna make sure that we do this in a safe manner. I think that's very important to balance the, the business side of things and the safety side of things. I do wanna to talk to you a little bit about part of what the governor was discussing, which was potentially putting different rules in place for different counties, depending on the number of cases that we're seeing in each county. Obviously, El Paso, we are seeing more and more cases each and each day. And of course, that's gonna continue as we start testing more and more people. So I wanna ask you, how is that going to possibly affect the county? Could we see some differences in what the governor issues as far as like statewide and those counties that are starting to see a reduction in cases versus what our retail to go looks like here in El Paso County? Well, you know, Michelle, that uh, I was concerned that it would be a broad brush, you know, sort of everybody do the same. And, and, and at this point, there's not a lot of indication that, that we would be different. I think it's gonna be more up to our community 
to be able to say, are we ready? And because of the dynamics with, with Juarez, and they're really trying hard. A lot of things they had to do were, were just uh, embracing our concepts because remember in, in Juarez, there's no, uh, there's no uh, like in my case, where the county can, can place an order. It all comes all the way from Mexico City. And so a lot of the things they did at the very beginning were because of our great relationship with our great neighbor that, that said, we're going to do the things that you're doing. They started closing down restaurants. They started going into the carry out. So that's very helpful for us. Doña Ana also has some numbers that are, that are climbing. And so we are wanting our community to understand that it's easy to say Austin did it. Now we should do it or, or we should be very, very unique. I am working with other county judges that have border cities like, uh, like uh, Hidalgo uh, uh, County, uh, uh, Judge Cortez and I are working so that we could say, hey, we're a little different and, and we need some other different uh, situations. The fact that he closed, uh, that he kept the uh, parks closed is, is an indication that he is looking at things a little different depending where we are. That helped us because we had a really a lot of difficulty. We had actually five, five for sure, maybe six uh, rescues at Franklin Mounds that took a lot of resources. Our, the paths are narrow, and so that makes it difficult for us to be able to keep the social distance. So we were, in, in, in my terms, speaking as myself, I was glad that they were held back on that until we were more prepared to do that. So you're right, Michelle, there, there is going to be some uniqueness. And, uh, but it's going to depend. Uh, it's real easy to just go full blast on what the governor wants and, and, and not consider our situation because right. it might happen. But then it's going to be our conscious as a community that we're doing the right thing. So I do want to ask you a little bit about national chains of business because Fountains at Farrah, Cielo Vista Mall, Sunland Park Mall, those have a lot of those national chain stores within those locations. And so, but some of those national chains have said, you know what, we're not going to open, we're not going to be ready. Um, we want to make sure that we're focusing on the safety and health of employees and customers. Do you have any indication that those national chains are going to start opening up based on the individual state orders, or are they going to keep kind of a national shutdown in place? They, they have the right to do, uh, you know, separately. And since I am a part of a franchise, there are some areas, uh, like I believe the state of Georgia was going to open uh, uh, the Sportless franchise there. It was going to begin to open, but not in other places. So each, each one is individual. It's different from what, they, uh, you know, what they're going to do, and they'll accomplish that based on the numbers. And uh, people don't like to hear that, that the numbers are going to dictate or that uh, we're sort of uh, destined because of our region. Uh, but that's, that's going to be uh, their decision. And they're, they're business people, and they know that if it's going to create an issue for them or for their employees or that this particular time is not ready, uh, that's the kind of um, the civil you know, kind of obligations and responsibility that we should have, never to put an employee... On, on, on that uh, difficult situation. And of course, you know, and, uh, and we'll reinforce uh, the masking part, the, 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 the face covering. Uh, you know, I've been, you know, it's hard because we're going to focus strictly on employees uh, that they should wear the mask, but we went that it's going to be also people attending any public um, place that you go to, you will have to wear the, co the face cover. But one of the things, think about how sensitive we are in that order. 
Think about the fact that the employee, and I've seen this happen, the employee is on his knees stocking, you know, putting all the, the products in, and somebody's right over his head or her head putting uh, the product or trying to pick an item from the shelf. Mm -hmm. And that closeness is really difficult. And so I can tell you without a doubt, and I've heard it so many times before, the most appreciative person will be the employee not having to deal with so many public customers come in without a mask. And so I, and, and look at it from that perspective. And I think it'll, it's a little easier to swallow. I think that's a great point. And I think the other thing that I've personally been noticing when I have to go to the grocery store is more and more grocery stores are trying to put in like one way only aisles. Um, but it's very hard to train people to only use an aisle one way, even though there's signage. We're used to just kind of browsing through the aisles. And so there is that risk if you're not wearing a mask and you're getting close because you're not remembering to follow those instructions of you know spread and, and those kinds of issues. So I want to jump in and kind of go ahead. Sorry, Judge. No, just gonna say in, in quality, we call it foolproof. You know, that if you happen to mess up and go the wrong way, at least now whoever's coming the other way is wearing a mask. So at least you, you, you're, you're protected versus I just made a turn, you didn't notice, the other person's coming right at you and they look at each other like, you should be going in a different direction. Well, the fact that you were in a mask makes that uh, awkward moment a little bit more comfortable. That's a good point, Judge. Um, I do wanna shift focus a little bit because I think it goes hand in hand. When we start talking about reopening the city, reopening the state, we also have to have the conversation about testing and expanding the availability of testing. So what procedures are going to be put in place um, to make sure that more people are getting tested and how um, would the reopening of businesses essentially impact these testing plans? Well, we, we know that, um, you know, it's always a challenge. And we know we're doing very well in, in the testing component. Uh, we, we're doing very well. We're working, uh, UTEP has some potential opportunities that could help us with some of their labs that would increase it tremendously. Uh, working with UMC and shout out to, uh, to Jacob Sintron, uh, our CEO there, because he's worked really hard and, and public health with Dr. Ocaranza, uh, uh, Chief Rodriguez, amazing job. Uh, I think you could feel very proud and very uh, you know, comfortable that we are doing everything possible that we do expand the testing because the testing will then allow us to understand what's really out there. At first, when we didn't have too much of the testing, we thought we were pretty, you know, our numbers look pretty good. But then when you do the testing, you get a good sense of, of what's happening. And so we are very conscientious, working very hard. The, the mayor and I work in, in lockstep on everything that we do. He has an order and I have an order and we align it as much as possible. But the testing is a big part of, um, of the challenge that, that we're having, and, uh, but we do feel comfortable that we have the, the right testing uh, equipment and opportunities to do that. So my next question is, and I think it's one that we're getting a lot, is what is the magical statistic? What specifically is the county and the city looking for in terms of numbers um, as an indicator that we as a community are ready to start reopening even more? Well, I'll never speak for public health because they're incredible, but uh, what I can tell you is that they keep a really close eye on what's happening at ICUs, in the hospitals, because that's the indication, that's sort of the barometer 
of how things are going. Uh, the more people we have in ICU, the more people we have in the hospital gives you an indication of the severity. And so we always keep track of those numbers to make sure that, that, we, that those numbers are not climbing. They haven't, they're steady climbing. They're not climbing at a rapid pace as they are in the cases, but we, we keep an eye on that. And so the magic number is really when you begin to see the flattening of the curve. When you start seeing numbers go down consistently and that you give it the parameters that are required, if you're, in, if you're, if you're two days and you say, oh my goodness, our numbers are down, three days later, because of the testing process, remember that it takes time. Our private labs are really difficult because we don't know how much testing is taking place with the private doctors. And so we have a good sense of the county and the city as far as the testing in our own our purview. But then the numbers come in through other types of testing and they might be held back and all of a sudden there's 15, 16 uh, numbers that come in that we didn't have that could have been, we could have gotten. So we're asking the labs and the private doctors to expedite and to communicate as much as they can about those numbers quickly so that we have the real results. Right now we have sort of like a back kind of log that comes in because of the testing of, of those labs. But like I said, there's no, uh, and I'm glad you said that because I don't want anybody to think that I'm going to get in front like a NASCAR, get the flag <laughs> and let's go open the, open the businesses. It's going to be <laughs> a, a process. And so I've got the flag, but I think I'll use it after they open because I don't want to be that person. But, but yeah, the numbers are, are, it's a tricky thing. It's a slippery slope because uh, once, once people feel comfortable and public health feels comfortable, that's my, my biggest barometer. If public health is feeling good about the containment, they're gonna pass that optimism to elected officials and to other people and then we'll see that. So just the containment, look for those numbers to go down, help us to get those numbers down and that's gonna be the, the big uh, answer. I know that you have a limited amount of time, Judge, because you're very incredibly busy. So I want to go ahead and start letting our audience ask some questions. So again, if you have a question and you're tuning in with us via Zoom, ask a question via the question and answer panel. If you're feeling brave and want to ask your question live, you can always raise your hand. And if you're tuned in on Facebook, make sure to go ahead and ask your question via the comment panel. Um, but as I let some of those comments and questions come in, I do want to ask you, you mentioned earlier that you yourself are a business owner. So what safety measures and policies do you recommend that other businesses adopt as they begin to reopen as we begin this process of retail to go? Well, I'm going to make a plea to all the leadership. Every Everybody that has some business, some organization, and you're a CEO or you're an owner of a business, uh, you're at, at the high level of the business. The first thing is to stay in touch with your employees and let them know that, uh, you know, what's happening. Uh, obviously help them through the unemployment process. Make sure that they're, they're getting unemployment when they're not working. Uh, because that connectivity and that, la that level of trust that you have between the owner, the, the, the CEO, and the employees is very important because then they have a trusting effect on that. So I would say the fundamental concept, you know, my background in HR, and so I'm very uh, conscientious about that connectivity with your employees and letting them know where the situation is. Start letting them know what is it that you need to do first. And, and you know what, it's not 
simple, but one simple step is how did you end up leaving the situation? Most companies went into a skeleton crew and then sort of went into maybe not having anybody or then going into working from home. Do, do the reverse of that. Who's going to be your skeleton crew? Who's going to start the process? What kind of education and training do they need to know? You can already start with your managers and the key people to letting them know about using the, you know, using the, the, the coverings, uh, how you're going to operate, how are you going to be safe? So there, there should be a lot of interaction right now, Michelle, on getting uh, more from, even from a psychological perspective of getting people ready to come in. Uh, like I said, at the very beginning, um, uh, our employees were, didn't want to be in those situations and they have to feel trusting that you are going to protect them from the virus, that they're not coming out. Remember, they're saying stay at home and now you're asking them to come out of the house. So that, that's a big transition for them. And are they ready to feel comfortable about that? So that, that's a, a big part of it is the communication. Not, don't wait until you know, we're, we're getting ready. You should be having discussions right now, motivating them, uh, asking them to volunteer on, on phones and whatever they could do to uh, volunteer. Uh, to keep them active, keep them excited about about and stimulate their 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 interest. Uh, you know, uh, that I think that's a big part of that. But knowing the rules, uh, some of you are under OSHA. OSHA does an, ex an incredible job of of what needs to be done. CDC, obviously, you know, you have to you look in there and see what's going on. One of the things I always recommend: look at your industry. You know, if I'm in the haircutting in industry, then I look at my industry and see what they're doing. And there's so much information. If you're in construction, you look at the construction industry and see what they're doing. So get really close to each one. The chambers obviously is one of the keys, so very important to stay tuned, uh, go in their website, you know, go into the Hispanic chamber has an incredible amount of information. Uh, Workforce Solutions has some incredible information. The county, so stay very, very close to what's taking place and be very knowledgeable. Knowledge seems to bring optimism in people. Lack of knowledge brings fear, right? The unknown, I don't know what's gonna happen out there. So be, you know, start um, educating yourself on this new normal uh, that we're gonna have. Uh, the other thing that I encourage is that you might've found in this situation, you might've found things that really worked and there's a sort of a, the silver lining in this is that look, look at now. I mean, what, how many times would I have an opportunity to do, have my vision? Now people are tuning in. We used to have town hall meetings and we'd have eight people show up. Now we're having 60, 70 people show up on, on, web, on webinars to, to hear about what's going on. So think about some of the new things that you could do that you learned from being uh, under this uh, pandemic. Uh, maybe even how many people can work from home and give them flexible hours. El Paso really lagged behind. A lot of our, our young people left, leave El Paso because we sometimes we don't have the flexible hours. We don't have that kind of, of the workforce that's very flexible. Mm -hmm. And so maybe now people might say, well, I get to go to school more or do some other things or take care of my, of my, of my children uh, and have them and be at home. So there's things that we learned from this process. I know the county, we're really looking at, if we needed more space, maybe we don't need space now because there's a lot of people that would work perfectly. You know, it was a big step for us to think that we would all, ever have telecommuting. And here we are. 
It took 15 minutes to do it and in three years we've been talking about it and now we've been sort of pushed pushed into it and look at where you're at look at where, where i'm at so i hope that yeah. helps i think you know we all talk about in you know once we get past this it's not ever going to go back to business as normal it's going to be some kind of new normal that we establish and and you know necessity is the mother of all invention and i think it should also be added adoption because a lot of these things like you mentioned the county the chamber other businesses are planning and you know let's see how we could do flexible work schedules and work from home but once you have to do it you've just got to jump in there um and so i think that as devastating as this has been for our community and communities across the country, it has also offered us the opportunity to rise and meet this challenge and come up with new ways of doing business. Yeah, it's absolutely very well said, Michelle. Thank you for that. So I wanna go ahead and jump into some of the audience questions. We do have um, a couple coming in via Facebook. So first of all, this is more of an advice question from Memo. He is asking, um, about people not wearing masks on public transportation. Are they expected to wear those masks? Um, are bus drivers expected to wear those masks? And should they call 311 if they have a complaint about that? Yes, remember that any time that, one of the, I'm, I'm glad that's a great question because remember that face, uh, the face covering does not uh, supersede the fact that the six, the six uh, foot uh, distance, social distance. So people cannot now get closer because they're wearing a, a face covering. But in transportation, it should be worn anytime you're in public, in any public situation. So that's very, once again, conceptually, that's how we learn the order. Anytime that you're in a public situation, you'd have to wear it. Now, if you're running, you're jogging, you're in your own space, and, and you're not worried about, uh, about the contact with others, then you don't have to wear the mask. But once you get into transit, you have to wear a mask. Once you're in any public situation, you have to wear the mask. And so that, uh, but really important, social distance, okay? It has nothing to do with the, the face covering. We still have to keep social distance. And, and one other conceptual way to look at it, at any time that you cannot maintain social distance, and obviously that's where you're gonna wear a mask. It, that's why if you're in a groceries, you're, you're, you don't know when somebody's going to run into you and that's where you're going to have the mask. So that, that would conceptually, that's the best way to look at it. So we do have a question coming in about the retail to go um, and the governor's order. So this uh, person is stating, so it seems that El Paso is beginning the reopening process specifically because of the governor's orders for the state superseding our local order for the city and county. So is this correct that that state order is going to supersede our local orders? It, it is, uh, Michelle, and th those are some great questions. They're very, uh, you can tell they're, they're insightful because they're, they're understanding the uh, spirit of the whole uh, orders. It does, but it does not limit us from strengthening depending on our community. You know, I cannot say, well, I'm not going to open, uh, you know, we're not going to have retail to go here in El Paso. I can't say that. I can't even adhere to that. But what I can say is we're going to do this, but there's going to be other restrictions that we feel as a community and based on public health, very important, that we will uh, have the masking, for example, or the, or the face covering. And, and, and remember, people are telling me, well, how are you going to afford, you know, but remember any type of cloth that you can wear over your nose and mouth is, is significant. 
because remember that you're trying to stop the spread. It's not, it's not airborne that is spread, but it's spread through, through either saliva, moisture, and so forth. And so by doing that, we're actually not communicating through the virus from one person to the other. So it could be bandana, it could be cloth, get creative, get into the trend. You know, I was thinking of using my, my, the little scarves that go on my, <laughs> my suit. <laughs> And blend in my suit or something, but but so you know, just make it make it fun at the same time. You know, be trendy. Be uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a sacrifice. It could be a fashion statement. It could be whatever it is. It makes you feel better. Uh, but yes, uh, that's the the, the right uh, approach. It does supersede us. We can strengthen. And I'm sure that there's going to be more guidance that comes out next week from the governor's office because he has mentioned, you know, it, it might be dependent county by county what some of those restrictions look like. Yes, it will. And, and he's got some opportunities. Uh, you know, the parks, if you notice that we uh, said you couldn't go to the parks, but now we're saying you can use the fringe of the park or the trails around the park. And that's uh, something different in the order. And once again, uh, be conscientious if, uh, if everybody gathers or there's crowds gathering to go through the through the trail or through the periphery of the park, then obviously then that forces us, puts the mayor and myself in a situation that says it's not working, and then we have to do certain things. Uh, and I'll give you a perfect example of the, uh, the golf courses. You know, we, we had them open, uh, but we felt that they were not uh, conducting the business the way they should. People were coming in, were grabbing equipment, equipment was being passed along and so that put us in a situation to to do that now on on monday it might be a totally different situation that the governor might feel that parks can be open wider or, or some other thing so I'm, I'm i'm very interested on on monday i think our basic order right now will stand i don't think there's anything that he would possibly say that would uh, force us or get us into a situation to have another order i, I don't believe that's going to be the case so, I mean, you must be reading my mind or reading the minds of our attendees because our next question was about golf courses. They're clearly, especially on a Friday morning, which is a very beautiful Friday morning for El Paso, there's a lot of people who are wishing that they could go out and hit the golf course. So our next question was, any indication about when the golf courses are gonna be open? So for the person who asked that question, stay tuned for the governor's announcement on Monday and there should be a little bit more guidance and uh, maybe a light at the end of the tunnel for you all who are missing out on your golf game. <laughs> and I, and I, feel, I feel for you guys, okay, so that, for women and, and men that play golf, it's, uh, it's quite a great sport. And, uh, you know, it just uh, uh, think about it, uh, you know, maybe the, the fitness centers could, could think the same thing. Yay, we can control and, you know, we should be open. And so it never ends. But the message should be clear that on uh, this public health, it should be very clear that we don't do anything just because we want to or because it's out of a random we ask public health should we or should we not open certain facilities and they're the ones that support us and we support them by putting them in the order so our next question that just came in judge um is about people who are traveling to el paso from other counties other parts of the country um it seems that their concern is that El Paso is going to stop requiring these people who are returning to our county after traveling somewhere else um, to self-quarantine for a given amount of time. So is that something that's going to happen where we're gonna stop requiring those people to self-quarantine? 
Well, it's always been pretty much uh, self-directed, uh, Michelle. It's never been, it's really difficult. You got people coming in from all over the place and there's no way that we don't have checkpoints or anything like that. Uh, we're not in any kind of a, of a situation where we're blocking. So it's always been, and, and, and now without the, the rule, the 100 mile rule that, uh, that's been lifted, uh, what, we, what you need, need to do is the most important thing is if you were in a community that was um, that that had a, a situation uh, that that you were involved in, that you were close to people who had the coronavirus, uh, COVID nineteen, uh, then you yourself would be probably best be able to go in and 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 talk to to someone or get tested. Uh, you know, we're now we're now testing people that uh, they only have the symptoms. We used to be very restrictive. It was first responders at first, and then you had to have the symptoms, and now you can get tested um, for, for the virus. If you think that there's a reason for any kind of reason, you know, my cousin uh, had it and I was there, or I came from, from someplace in California and the neighborhood uh, had a, incidences of uh, coronavirus, anything like that, you should be tested, but it's still very much up to the individual to be conscientious, not to, and remember that you asymptomatic is one of the biggest problems that we have. You could be asymptomatic, not have any symptoms at all. The only thing you want to go by is, was I vulnerable? Was I in a situation that I could get the, could get the virus? Uh, but you might be asymptomatic. I, I, you can be tested today, Michelle, show positive, and three days later, you start feeling a cold and whatever, and then you realize, and you might have it later on. And so at that point, anytime, anytime that you feel that you've got an unusual, you know, chest pain or, or fever or anything that is, is different from, from your standard of, 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 of getting ill, go, go in and get, get tested immediately. And so that's the, the best I could say about travelers. Just be conscientious. If they're, if they're not, then you let them know, hey, you just came from a, a place that you might, I, I will encourage you to get some testing done or get the testing done quickly. And I think, you know, we're all in this together. So we all have to be looking out for each other as well. And so voicing that concern if somebody's come back into town is definitely important. I do have a question for you about a couple of regards to testing. So first of all, I want to talk to you a little bit about the expansion of testing. We have had some businesses asking us about whether or not the county and city are sending out inspectors to different job sites, businesses, and doing COVID-19 testing right then and there on those job sites. Unfortunately, you know, with, with this pandemic has also come the rise of scammers associated with this pandemic. So I wanted to ask you, is this something that the county is doing, sending inspectors for COVID-19 testing to businesses? Um, and if not, is it something, how would businesses report that this is happening? Well, you know, we obviously to our, our county or city quickly, but uh, yeah, we will not go test someone because that, that uh, would strictly be violating anything. And, and uh, you know, we just can't go and say you, you need to be tested. We have to wait for people to come to us. So if anybody's showing up saying that they're going to do testing, that obviously well, would be a scam. That's not going to happen. Uh, it happens in laboratories. It happens in very formal environments, and and it, it's not going to happen on site uh, unless we feel there's a, the public health thinks there is a reason for that. But it's very 
unlikely. That's why we have our laboratories and, and our mobile testing sites. And, and so, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question that we, we're not going to do that. We, and we're not also, we're not sending people to enforce, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, it's more of a compliance and educational process at this time. Uh, but if we see a, a business that's, uh, you know, someone's not wearing uh, the masking or, or the face uh, covering, uh, we will let them know that uh, they're, they're going to be fined if, uh, if, if they happen to not adhere to that, to, to that recommendation. So it's always, we've always done that from the very beginning is that we try to educate. Uh, we st I still feel, and I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll say that a hundred times, that our community works a lot better through organic cooperation than through enforcement. And, and that's what we would like to see. Um, I, it, it's very easy for me or for anyone to go to the manager at, at, a, at a Walmart and say, you know, there's an employee that doesn't have face cover. I think that's gonna be done immediately. Nobody wants, a $500 fine, and then that $500 fine, if you don't, uh, if it happens again, it could go up to $1,000 and it gets a little more complicated because it might include jail time uh, if it goes beyond the second warning. And so we're not looking for that kind of enforcement. We don't want that kind of enforcement. And it's up to the community to, to continue down that path. So next question about testing. Um, New York recently made an announcement about doing antibody testing and actually finding out that a lot more people had been exposed to COVID-19 and were carriers of COVID-19 without actually showing any symptoms. So I wanted to ask you, what um, are we looking at at the county level for El Paso in terms of antibody testing? Is that something that hopefully we're gonna get started doing fairly soon or is that gonna be a little bit more down the line? Well, you know, it would be unfair for me to answer that question as much as I think I know about it, but uh, that this is a perfect uh, entry to uh, hoping that you bring Dr. Ocaranza in your next, uh, in your <laughs> next uh, feature because I think he could really elaborate. You know, he knows about some of the plasma and how they're using the plasma uh, of people that have had the, uh, the actual virus and using that plasma on, on people that are severe uh, to help them recover because of the antibody. But uh, he, he would be much more knowledgeable and it would be unfair of me to mislead the, the community in any way having to do with, uh, with those kinds of, uh, of responses. Well, we would love to have him on. Hopefully we can have him on sooner rather than later. Hopefully uh, next week and- uh, we... you, have, you, have, you have a minute and I'll- <laughs> <laughs> He so, would be, I well, this is being live streamed and recorded. So for the record, you fully endorse him coming to do a webinar yes. with us. So well, uh, that's on the record and, and we'll use that to, to bring him on for the next one. So I do have well, a question. Yes, we'd love to have him on, especially to talk about some of these public health items as, as businesses reopen. I do have another question for you on guidelines. Have you heard anything about event facilities? Um, they're so dependent on people participation have you heard anything about them being able to reopen for maybe some small events? Well, you, you can't at this time because the order does not allow, uh, I think yesterday we we're talking, somebody said about 10 and that's not true. That was the old order, 10 or under. There is no reason to gather with this order. You cannot have any type of gathering of, of any sort. And so, but I think on, on Monday, I think that's some of the areas that we're going to see that, that perhaps that having five people uh, is gonna be okay and, and maybe 10 later and so forth.
but at this time it's really important that the order does does not have anything that says you could get together and and sometimes it's uh, you know we're having the parades people go to parades and do the uh birthdays and and that kind of thing and as long as they don't get off their car but even the spirit of the order says is it an essential activity is it essential business and and once again that's one of the other concepts that's very easy for the people to understand the order and it says if it's not an essential activity like going to the doctors to the pharmacy to the grocery to go to these carry out then then there's no reason that you should be out in the community and so that's a little strict uh, and but on monday perhaps uh there will be a little bit more of guidance as to opening up the, that, that component. Um, so next question, Judge, how are you anticipating to monitor businesses that are doing their due diligence? And also what kind of resources will you provide businesses to help guide them? I mean, it's, it's a new world for everybody. Everybody's trying to adjust to these regulations that are changing and evolving as the situation evolves. So what resources are you gonna put out for businesses to help guide them through this, this situation and make sure they're in compliance? Well, the first part is what you're doing and the great job that the Hispanic Chamber does. You know, that, that's a big part because they need to understand, if they don't understand that something as basic as the face covering, then we know we're in trouble there, right? And we have to give them some more support. On the enforcement side, you know, we, once again, it's more of a compliance or getting people educated about it. But we also do, we do have, uh, we, we do have, uh, uh, you know, the sheriffs are able to enforce it. The police department, our constables, who have, the constables have done an amazing job as well in helping out. And so they, they do have the right to go in there, but we're really saying, please, compliance, education, you know, Sheriff Wiles, <clears throat> amazing job. Uh, he's a great leader for a community. And so, um, you know, he knows uh, how to handle this. We've had some very difficult issues as a sanctuary city versus not a sanctuary city. And so he's been in the midst of, of being uh, as amicable in the way we do things. So the enforcement will come, a lot will come. I, I know it's difficult to ask that because we don't want people to police themselves. But so it's better not to approach a person and say, hey, you should be wearing a mask because I, I don't think that works very well. But it's a lot easier to ask the, the store manager to say, you know what, people in here should be wearing a mask and, and there's a person who's not wearing one and I'd like for you to take care of that. So going to the, the leadership of any store uh, is going to be probably more uh, beneficial and effective than anything else we could do. So I do have two more questions for you before we let you go and any other questions that come in after this. Uh, we will go ahead and send over to the county. So I do have a question about cutbacks at UMC um, and the ORs. You know, obviously cutbacks have had to be made because of uh, non-essential surgeries not being able to take place. With the governor's order, do you see some of those nurses um, and some of those technicians getting those hours back and kind of getting back up to full capacity? So that way then we can ensure that we're ready to basically handle any kind of significant event, like a major car pileup or a major fire or anything. Well, you know that he did open up for elected surgeries, which a lot of people, uh, it was hard for them to understand what that meant, but what it means, it's a scheduled surgery that they would, if you had a scheduled surgery and it wasn't that essential to, to the hospital and to them, it might not be. But if you have a, a bad knee and you were ready to go into getting a knee surgery, 
uh, it is, it's bad for you, but now they're going to do that, right? And so that's gonna open up more opportunity. We're going in, in the other direction of closing down and now we'll be able to do LAD UMC like any other hospital will be able to do that. And then on, on top of that, we also have the fact that, uh, that we understand that this epidemic is not, might happen, it could, we can have further. We don't understand it that well. It's a new, this is a historical situation. And so we, we need to be careful with that. On the other hand, there is this, on the order, there is that you have to have a certain percentage available to address a COVID uh, crisis. So you, can, you need to have at least 25% availability of that. So that's if, you know, right now we, we have that and we, uh, we're under capacity. Uh, we're not using full capacity, but that's always gonna be very important as the numbers increase uh, we can quickly move away from less beds utilized for COVID, whether they're used or not, but we do have to keep that space available. So Judge, our final question is, you're very busy right now. We understand that. I'm sure that you are burning the midnight oil, um, but it is Friday. So hopefully you'll have a little bit of break on the weekend. So during this pandemic, what kind of things are you doing for fun with your family? What are you binge watching or what books would you recommend for people to pick up that maybe you're reading right now? You know, when you have a two or three seconds of, of time available. <laughs> well, thank you for that. You know, I've, I've, it's hard sometimes to let people know, but uh, because I have a very strong mental health background and I've been a clinical therapist and, and so I do a lot of journal, you know, I journal quite a bit. And I've always said, I've always said of the 1,000 people I asked to journal, only one listens to me. <laughs> so I, I don't know why that is. But, and then they asked me, so why do you journal? I said, look, if, if Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson and all these great people journal, maybe I should be journaling. So <laughs> I've always journaled. So that's one I've gotten uh, back into. The other one is writing. I, I used to love writing. And I had left uh, writing uh, you know, sort of on the side. Uh, thank God exercise for some reason has always been a part of my life. And so I, I don't know if you could see my weights behind me somewhere, but <laughs> <laughs> that I, I take off every five minutes and try to do something. Uh, but I think the, the mental health, and I'm glad you asked that question because as a mental health professional in my past, it's very important that, that this is an opportunity that one of the, the hardest thing on people will be what you didn't do. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the most uh, psychologically defeating situation that people go through. When you come out, you do not want to be telling yourself, I should have, and I should have. I should have gotten closer to my family. I should have read that book I didn't read. Because a lot of things that we could do now, we could, we're coming out of a very noisy, complex uh, world. And sometimes I wonder if some universal thing, and you know, have a strong uh, uh, faith in God, that that I wonder if he stopped us for a while and, and maybe wants us to reflect and, and be more considerate of who we are and how we think. And, you know, I, I think Socrates said that an, an, an unanalyzed, analyzed uh, life is not a life worth living. And so if you're not reflecting on what have I done, how can I do things better, journaling, setting down some goals, what a great opportunity. You know, uh, professors get sabbaticals and uh, I used to be so envious of that. <laughs> like I could use one <laughs> full year of being able to do this. Well, now we have it. It's our, it's our little sabbatical. It's our little sabbatical of being able to go back. Even if you're working from home, things are not as complicated. 
And so, yeah, I, I like to read a lot. I, I used to read quite a bit, almost a book a, a week kind of thing. And everybody was afraid, oh, my God, what did uh, Ricardo read today? And how is he going <laughs> to impose it, impose it on the organization? But uh, so that, uh, just go back to, to what you wanted. Uh, dust your dreams. As I said, you know, go back and dust some of your dreams and, 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 and recoup them. And as I've always said, uh, you know, don't rent your dreams. Own them. And this is a great time in your life to own your dreams. No more renting. You know, renting means you're not fixing them. You're not taking care of them. And when you own them, then you do something with them. What a great opportunity to readjust, push that reset button, look at your life, and come out better than when you came in. Thank you so much, Judge Samaniego. I think that's great advice for to leave all of our attendees with. We did have some other questions that came in and some other comments that we will provide to the county staff and then email out those responses to everybody because I know that you have another appointment coming up very soon. We did receive a comment from our uh, CEO, Cindy Ramos-Davidson, who's tuned in right now, thanking you for joining us for today, uh, thanking you for your leadership during this crisis and pretty much the whole entire year round. We are so proud of our elected officials because whatever El Paso faces, you always come together, you always help us get through this. And so thank you all for doing that. And thank you, uh, Judge Samaniego, for joining us today uh, and taking some time, some time out of your journaling and your reading and everything else you've got going on to talk with us and our members. Cindy's a great friend and the only thing I worry is that she knows too much about my life. And so <laughs> be nice to her. But Cindy, thank you for all you do. And thank you, your, your board, an amazing board. You guys do amazing things. And like I said, you have some national recognitions that any community would envy. So thank you for that. And thank everybody in the audience, the best of everything. And as I always say, here goes a big virtual hug to all of you. Okay, thank you. We want to give a huge thank you to El Paso County Judge Ricardo Samaniego. We know that he is incredibly busy right now managing this crisis that our community is going through. So we are incredibly grateful that he took some time out of his day to talk with us, answer some questions that our members, clients, and listeners have, and talk with us about the challenges presented by COVID-19 to the county. Before we sign off, again, I want to thank our partners, Sun Carpets. We can't wait to be back in our studio and, of course, Epicenter as well. This is Michelle Luebno, the host of Sharing Sweat Equity, a business podcast, signing off, reminding all of our listeners to stay safe, stay healthy, and practice social distancing.